0: Hello and welcome to the Tenable Research Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Raywood, and this month I'd like to bring you a discussion on the concept of responsible disclosure. Um, We've talked a lot about uh, vulnerabilities, obviously, on this podcast in the past. Um, But what's the process of reporting them and, well, fixing them? Um, We started having to think about this recently because often... Our, you know, our researchers, they go out that to, to they find these vulnerabilities, they report them, and they get fixed. But this, this concept of the 90-day uh, window to fix a vulnerability and uh, disclosure policies, it all seems to be kind of grown by industry, almost like a sort of an organic growth that's evolved over time. So we thought we'd bring a couple of people together to talk about this, uh, this growth, um, where it stands now, and possibly where it could go in the future. You know, could things change? Could, for example, software updates could be repaired within a matter of hours or days while something a bit more uh, significant like for example SCADA or anything in an OT environment could take longer and obviously does involve quite a bit of uh, work to fix those vulnerabilities. So we've put together a couple of people who work in this area to, um, to discuss this further. They are Nicholas Miles who is staff research engineer here at Tenable working in our Zero Day team and Ivan Berliner who is a senior manager of research here also at Tenable. Um, so let's move on and talk to Nick and to Ivan. And we're now joined by Ivan Belenna, who is Senior Manager of Research here at Tedable, and Nick Miles, who's a staff research engineer from Tedable's Zero Day Team. Delighted to have you both on the podcast today. Um, as I said at the top there, we're we're talking here about responsible disclosure policies around the concept of this, this time scale that's emerged. Where um, where vulnerabilities are disclosed to companies with ninety days notice, essentially to fix them. Um, Ivan, let's come to you first. And so, how did this time scale emerge? Where, where did it come from?
1: I think it's the hey, Dan. Uh, this is the initial time frame here for engagement. Um, so the ninety days is hey, if a if a vendor doesn't want to respond, we can't wait all all our lives to do it. Now inside that ninety days, if they do respond, um, as researchers do when they contact Tenable about vulnerabilities they find in our products. We engage them and we say, hey, look, we might need a little more time to do that. Um, But if you wait more than 90 days and they never respond, then it's kind of stale bread by that point. Nick, would you agree?
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of developed as an industry standard. Um, I mean, when we came up with with our disclosure process for zero day team, we did a we did a we researched the most common practices and did a thorough legal review of it And 90 days seem to be the most common one um you know the uh, team at google um their zero day team um they they have a 90-day policy too so i think a lot of a lot of it's based off of that i'm not exactly sure of the origins of it like either it's kind of organically uh came about through you know from over the last several years but yeah i'd say 90 days is pretty pretty fair amount of time to 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 respond to and handle vulnerabilities.
0: Yeah, I was doing a little bit of research in Google's uh Google's uh, Project Zero. I think they I don't know if they still called mm-hmm. that. They they certainly yeah. were a couple of years ago. Uh yeah, Google Project Zero. That that seemed to be one of the origins. Um maybe I'll drop them lines and see what they say, what they say if they are responsible for it, because they'll probably deny it. But um it, it, it's an interesting one because it, yeah, essentially three calendar months or, you know, a few days thereabouts uh, have to do this. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, from, if you find it on Jan 1st, then I could be, you know, all the Jan, all the February, all the March, all the April 1st. That's not a particularly great day to disclose a vulnerability, is it? <laughs> Maybe I should have picked a better month than that. But um, yeah, it, and, then, and then it comes about. And I mean, ultimately, I guess the industry works with this standard now. I mean, Nick, you, you've worked with uh, disclosing vulnerabilities as part of, of the Zero Day team here. Is ninety days enough time to fix a vulnerability for that company that's been informed?
2: Yeah, and you know, talking about Project Zero, they actually released uh, some metrics um, from their disclosures, and they they said that ninety seven point seven percent of vendors uh, patched the vulnerabilities within ninety days. So that that tells me that that's probably a good amount of time. I'd say that if you take, if you can't address an issue within ninety days. That kind of points to a bigger problem. Like you, you know, that's an issue in and of itself. So, you probably have a critical problem with your software development process. It needs to be addressed if that's the case. Um, and, and that's kind of what our thoughts are on that. So, uh, be better. If you better if you can't if you can't patch, patch an issue and not need to hasty, probably need to work on that.
0: Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Well, it, it's it, it's an issue. And just a follow on from that, I mean. Have you had instances where companies have come back and sort of said, "Hey, can we have another ninety days or another sixty days, thirty days?" Because you know we're we're talking to you and they're responsive, which I, you know something we can link to in our show notes is the uh, the, the, the white paper that Zero Day Team put out last year talking about your exploits in uh, that's a bad word to use your antics that's where that word in uh, in you know, disclosing vulnerabilities. Um, do companies come back and say, you know, 90 days is, is not enough or, you know, we, we, we're we working on it, but it turns out this is a bigger deal than we needed. Can we have another 60 days and then we'll all go, you know, happily into to industry? Is that quite common? Uh, sometimes it is.
2: Um, I mean, we, we typically don't allow them to go past the 90 days, but sometimes it happens, especially with like skate vendors um, where it can take. Months and months and months, uh, like up to a year, to patch things because it's just their 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 processes are are not really designed for rapid software development. You know, so yeah, some vendors it can it could take more than the ninety days. Um, but if that's the case, you know, we we have we ha- our policy allows for exceptions, like you know, it's for for special for extenuating circumstances. So you would have to be, you you would have to demonstrate that it's an extenuating circumstance for us to like give you more time, Uh, but occasionally those do come up.
0: Got it. Right, right. And from from your side, Nick, uh, in terms of, you know, you disclose it, is there kind of like a, you know, like an unwritten agreement between uh, people like yourselves who to do this 90 days, you know, it's like, okay, you know, you work with our company, you know, Tenable, we'll, we'll put a link into what we've done recently, you work with, with Microsoft. Um, yeah, you know, you went to Microsoft about the Azure stuff, and, you know, you went, and it's kind of an agreement between well, Tenable and, and Microsoft, I guess, there's there's legal things put in place. But, yeah, that 90 days will be, will be acknowledged. Is, is that to be expected by the recipient company?
2: That 90 days is... That they're going to expect 90 days. I mean, when we yeah. contact people, we have we put our policy in our initial email. Says, this is our policy. This is how we're going to interact with you. This is what we expect. A lot of other researchers do that. Um, 90 days is most common in the, in the industry. It just seems to be, you know, the 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 best practice. Um, I would say some researchers, depending on the industry, may may choose a shorter disclosure timeline. Some may. Um, Some may some may allow more time. So, like if you're doing cloud research, 90 days is is a lot for a cloud volume. Usually those are patched within within like hours or days reporting them. So maybe 90 days is too much if you're reporting to a cloud vendor. Um, then again, like if you're working with this, if you're a skater researcher and you know that every time you disclose something, you're gonna need more than 90 days to patch it, maybe you increase that, you know, depending on the, the companies you're working with. But ninety days is for most vendors seems seems to be the the standard that that most researchers use.
0: Got it. Right. Okay. And um, it's, it's it's yeah, like you said, it's an interesting one. I guess it, it becomes uh, the model depending on or sort of the standard depending on what what it is. Like you said, if it's a software issue, then you imagine like you said, it could be fixed pretty rapidly. I mean. SCADA, maybe maybe others. Is there, I mean, is there any kind of movement in industry to actually change that around? So if you did find something in, you know, some sort of industrial control or OT environment, you sort of think, okay, you know, we'll work with you. This will take as long as it takes rather than sort of saying at 90 days, at first of that month, three months on, you know, we'll go live to everyone and say, here's this patch, you know, regardless whether or whether they fixed it. Is it is that collaboration happening in in some instances?
1: Yeah, it's a balance. It's a balance between risk and uh, making sure that what you disclose does not uh, leave the world vulnerable to this. So that's the purpose of the interaction. That initial 90-day conversation is to say, look, we found this. It's critical. Uh, That's the part about responsible disclosure that we're kind of touching on here, Dan. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it responsible to disclose this to the world uh, knowing that if the vendor doesn't have a fix that we've just enabled the bad guys with, you know, an idea, uh, something to go pick at. So, um, that's the part of being a good vendor where you say, yep, we got it. We own it. We know we have a problem. Full transparency, Tenable's had vulnerabilities found in our tools. And we've engaged with the researchers to say, we need a little more time, sometimes a lot more time. They've been great about it. Um, They say, yep, cool. Happy to give you some more time. As long as we get credit, And that's the other thing, giving credit to the researcher that finds this stuff. There's a lot of time, effort, energy, sweat that goes into these efforts. And um, making sure that credit is is given is is a big part of it. Um, I think we're painting with a pretty broad brush here, as Nick alluded to earlier, uh, where cloud-based tools or uh, software as a service can be updated very quickly. As soon as the, the code changes are made, they can be implemented. If you're talking about something that has to be rolled out via firmware updates, um, that can be a a bigger problem. Um, So when we say 90 days, again, we're talking about balance, right? We're talking about balance between deployments that can be updated quickly and things that need physical rollout to the field, either through device updates, firmware updates, or, um, and that doesn't even account for uh, for the development cycle. So, ninety days can be pretty tight if there's logistics involved in getting that change out to the field in addition to the development cycles there. Um, so again, we balance the all the tools that we're talking about, all the potential endpoints we're talking about yeah. and ninety days feels about right
2: also, like keeping a secret for ninety days with you know a whole development team involved is kind of hard, so it kind of get like once you know you're afraid that your vulnerability is going to get released, you know, to the public before you get a chance to, uh, and it can slip through the cracks. So, yeah, you know, even if the even if the vendor can't patch the vulnerability in ninety days, uh, say it's a speed of product, it's still good to know about it. Um, you know, you, you publish the research. Maybe you don't re- release a full proof of concept code, but you let people know about it, so that way they can, you know. Apply mitigations. You know, make sure the product isn't on the internet, uh, it off. Uh, apply. Any, it's, there might be a workaround to to prevent the exploit from, you know, from working. So, even if there's not a patch available, it's still good. I, th- I think 90 days is still really good, really good target uh, for most people. You know, it, I think it's beneficial. It's a good trade-off for the researcher and for the vendor.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it makes sense. And like 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 Evan said, you know, Tenable has vulnerabilities and you know where we provide software we provide hardware you know it, it, sure we'd all love to say everyone who's you know built something is absolutely 100 perfect and fault free but that's you know things change things uh things don't don't make you know do get through without uh you know with with these issues in them but um it, it's it's also the case Ivan you know you make the point there you know of where's the benefit of of doing these uh doing this responsible disclosure of of vulnerabilities and it's you can't go out there and sort of and say, you know, here's this vulnerability. There's no fix for this. Um, everyone just kind of, you know, hold, hold on tight. We're going in. It, it, where's the benefit in, in disclosing vulnerabilities to, say, you know, CISOs, for example, and, and security managers?
1: It puts those CISOs and security teams in a sticky situation, right? Um, here's this, we pride ourselves in actionable advisement through our plugins. When we find something, there's a, a vendor advisory that backed it up. We say, vendor says this, and we provide tools Tenable to do that at scale. When you say there's a vulnerability with no mitigation, it, it leaves everybody in a sticky situation. You've just said, this is critical. This is important. This is part of my everyday infrastructure. What do I do about it? Um, and that's a big challenge. Um, now, As Nick said, sometimes revealing that can give you, uh, can give CISOs and organizations the ability to put defense in depth in place. If they're aware of the nature of the vulnerability, like, hey, there's a bad guy in your neighborhood, be advised not to lock your doors and windows and don't answer the front door. Okay, that helps, but you can't live like that every day. Um, So uh, unless there's some kind of actionable advisement, it's a bit irresponsible to say, hey, here's something out there that... uh, is a threat to you, good luck. Um, There's a flip side to that coin as well. There are vendors that don't respond to the 90 day interaction from the researchers uh, to the vendor. When a vendor doesn't respond, I understand there's researchers that are left with nothing to do but disclose. Um, Again, uh, that puts the researcher in a sticky situation. They've got to make a risk reward calculation and say hey here's something that's really important to the world Um, but I think again we're talking about balance the balance point is hey not only do we disclose it but this is what you do about it and uh, that's what we really pride ourselves on here at Tenable.
0: So but yeah it's for sort of wider industry I mean where's the the benefit really for CISOs is in knowing about these vulnerabilities in advance and or you know Knowing about them at the time of, of of disclosure and like you know yes there's this major issue I'm trying to think of a a, a big one we we talked about last year on on, on this podcast we talked about like the uh, the print spooler ones print print nightmare and stuff like that I go, here's this major problem but yeah here's the fix and something we've often talked about with you know on other podcasts with SRT members is it's all very well you know uh, the, these vulnerabilities but if you can't resolve it then. Should we even be talking about it is that is that kind of the right attitude really And it really should be up to you know, those fixes should be ready not just sitting there going here's the scandal you know worry later that's what
1: good partners do ideally you know the world knows about the problem the solution they come hand in hand and we say all right we dodged that one now it's on CISOs and security teams to implement the fix um that's that cost benefit again um but honestly, in my opinion, every disclosure should come with some kind of action, uh, whether it's a patch, whether it's a workaround, whether it's uh, you know, something you could do to isolate that, as Nick mentioned, uh, remove uh, internet, fa- internet facing interfaces on it or isolate it in your network. Um, ideally, those things come out together, even if you're being a responsible uh, researcher and disclosing it without the vendor acknowledging it. Um, Nick, I don't know. Do you, have you ever heard of, of like folks that didn't respond? Uh, that that where the researcher put out a, a workaround guidance themselves, not the vendor advisory.
2: Yeah, that happens. Um, and there there are certain services that actually can patch things in memory before like official patches are released. Companies that do that. So yeah, that that happens. Um, and, and some software is like abandonware that people still use it and uh you know if there's a vulnerability in that i'm not going to get a patch from the vendor but sometimes uh researchers or the community will come up with a workaround for it
0: Hmm. well just on the on the other side then we've talked about how how tenable works you know we've got a, a policy here and i'm sure many if not all other sort of vendors and you know researchers have a policy of you know working with researchers and um and, and been able to offer those fixes. I mean, is there kind of like a, one for Nick maybe, do all vendors follow that same policy um, of, you know, we, we acknowledge your fix. I know there's a bit, sometimes a challenge in getting, getting through to the right person to disclose, to let them know who, who actually there's the vulnerability, but is it more about, you know, do, do they do vendors follow the same policy or is there some discrepancies where some will sort of not acknowledge a certain vulnerability, for example?
2: Uh, no, they don't all follow the same um, response, We wish they did. Um, Like, if you're a company, like some companies don't even have like a page on the website where you can find a security contact, like you have to contact your support. Sometimes you have to be a customer to contact their support, which is not good. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... Um, Ideally, you would have like a product security response team. You have a plan. You'd have a procedure for handling it. You have an easy way to contact. Preferably, you have like PGP keys up on your website so the researchers can securely disclose it to you without it getting intercepted. You know, there's all kinds of best practices um, for doing that. You know, you can look it up on the internet. And uh, yeah, more companies should have a formalized uh, system for doing that. Uh, most of the big companies do, like like Google and in Microsoft and Amazon. Uh some companies are trying to outsource it to, to third parties, like uh Bug Crowd and and there's the other one. But yeah, for it could be a mixed bag. We we never know what we're gonna come across when we do a disclosure. Uh sometimes we'll be contacted and they think we're trying to sell them something or um so you never know what the response is gonna be.
0: Yes, it is a conversation I've I've heard about over the years of, you know, trying to reach out to people. I guess because ultimately there is a a lot of lot of vendors, not just cybersecurity companies. It's all types of anyone offering a piece of technology, right? Whether it's uh, you know mobile apps or, or anything else. But it's uh, how, well, it's a bit, a bit of a side question. But how do you how do? You, do you get around that? I mean, is it literally? linkedin is it? you know let like, you say support on on a website do you just keep trying and trying and trying until someone kind of picks up the phone or responds yeah, to an email we, or like that?
2: we send emails every two weeks to see if they've got it Um uh, sometimes we'll go on linkedin or twitter and try to contact them that way if, if we have to do that that's not good like you should make it a lot easier for us to contact you um but yeah sometimes that that does end up happening um sometimes we'll be like 90 days in and like right like right before the 90 days they'll say they'll say uh yeah we we just saw this (laughs) or 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 they'll they'll not respond to it and like patch it silently uh we've had that too so it's it's you never know um uh, communication communication is is key to you know to coordinated disclosure um you know on the best outcome for both sides so you should definitely have a process in place for, for you know a special email address and, and, and a policy for handling these sorts of things if you if you want good outcomes for disclosures
0: yeah and like you said I know no companies are working with people like bug crowd hacker one there's a couple of mm. others out there as well who are uh, who at least facilitate this sort of uh this reporting line you know it's kind of a good way to start but like you said I, I, i'm sure that out there somewhere uh, in the on the uh, internet is some sort of standard you know, template for what a, a reporting yeah. policy looks like or even alternatively you know find out who does a good one and, and ask them I suppose would, would that be you know do you go to let's get tenable for example you know did did we write hours based off you know reading someone else's or is it a bit like you know looking at your experience and you know zero day team and various re- research teams kind of saying this is what it needs to contain
2: yeah, yeah um yeah cert uh our first.org has um how to, like documentation on how to set up the p product security incident response team there are other document, like there are other doc there are other organizations like that on the internet that you can look up and they can give you a, ha- a handle on how to set up a team and set up a processor for handling this sort of thing
0: and i guess like you said the other contact is is a is really key uh you actually have that that point of, of reference to sort of someone to go to I mean, I guess the other the, the flip side of this will be someone saying well actually you know if we put that we'll end up with tons of people coming to us going hey I you know I found this you know changes the color from blue to red <laughs> it's it's all then it's probably all about scope isn't it really then it's all about yeah you, know, you wind up one... you wind up a lot of people because a lot of
2: people just run automated like they do this as a job they run automated tools and then you just kind of fire off reports of anything that it finds and see hopefully they, they get something you know some kind of um so you but you have, you, have you, you know you have to tell people like that and just like anything you know you're going to have a bunch of false positives people that don't know what they're doing reporting stuff but mm-hmm. you still have to look through it you still have to go through it it's just like looking at a you know uh data from a log from like a from like a Security log. You're going to get a lot of false positives, and you have to go through and you have to. You want to improve your your filtering and stuff to to get rid of those false positives and 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 focus on the stuff that that's there that's probably an issue.
0: Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. And uh, Ivan, from your side, I mean, it's if if someone comes in and says, you know, I've got this vulnerability. How do you kind of uh, how do you deal with them? To sort of say, look, this isn't something that we're you know. Whether it's you know a company who's got a, like a piece of software that's no longer supported, for example, let's say you go to to Microsoft and say, "Hi, hey, I found this Windows XP vulnerability," and they're like, you know, laugh you out of the building. <laughs> but um, is, is that how do you deal with someone like that? Because you know, then I guess there's I'm not saying retribution in a negative sense, but yeah, they may kind of say, "Well, you know, I'm not going to ever f- report your vulnerabilities legitimately again." Is is that a concern? Uh, it is a little bit. I mean, in
1: the XP version, if they've made a statement that it's not going to be supported anymore in this world and a security life cycle, then hey you shouldn't be using it. That's on you. They've made a statement. It's the the vendors that don't respond uh, as Nick said, or the ones that drag their feet, that can be a challenge. But as Nick mentioned, having those having the infrastructure to catch it, an Infosec team to catch those requests, uh, and then the development team to have hooks in or the InfoSec team to have hooks in the development team to be able to respond to it is, is a, a muscle that needs to be flexed. Uh, it can be overwhelming, especially when things come out rapid fire. Um, but uh, as I always say, repetition builds confidence, confidence builds success. The more you do it, the more you're able to respond to these things, uh, the better you'll get at it. And um, sticking your head in the sand is definitely not an option. So I say, oh, that, that didn't affect us. That's not something we're going to deal with. Or not answering it is is uh, not an answer at all. Um,
2: yeah, it's not going to go away if you ignore it.
1: Nope. And you have a responsibility when you put something out to maintain it, keep it alive, or at least put some guidance out. This is a this is a two year piece of hardware. We're not going to support it after two years. Let people know that so that when they buy that, they can get their procurement life cycles lined up and say, hey. That thing's going to be end of life next year. I got to buy another one. I got to buy a follow-on, whatever it is. To just put it out there in the world uh, as a, an, orphan, an orphan tool is uh, irresponsible because pe- people put that into their infrastructure. So that's something you have to consider when you buy stuff as well as a, as a procurement is to say, look, is this backed up by a, a valid vendor uh, that's going to stand behind their product and, and, um, and back it up? Or tell us when it's no longer being backed up, so we can make an informed decision ahead of time, as opposed to just uh, again sticking their head in the sand and not responding.
0: Hmm. Well, I guess another point, Ivan, is you know it, it, just in terms of like you know how vulnerability to di- are disclosed and you know then disclosed in advance, for example. I mean, the benefit really is is to those companies to sort of say, you know, this is what's coming, you know, we're we're ready for this, we can deal with this. Um, I cast my mind back. I completely forget what the name of the vulnerability was. I know a few companies in the past have done kind of here's this big vulnerability that's coming. It was all in the follow of, of Heartbleed, I think, with all the the logo mm-hmm. and the, the, the uh, possibly there was another one which came along in the middle. Log ago, from yeah, well, Log4j, well, a lot, a lot, I think, I guess a lot with the, these ones, especially Heartbleed, Log4j, and uh, I guess there's probably, uh, like, uh was it, Bashbug, Shellshock, they all kind Shell of came bug. out of nowhere, and I suppose that, that's, the, that's the thing I was going to get to, really, was the, these vulnerabilities that just kind of catch everybody out, and then all of a sudden it's like, right, all hands on deck, you know, we, we certainly had that here at Turnable back in uh, December of last year, I was, you know, very fortunate to have, you know, been here at the time, and saw the kind of the reaction to it, and the response to it, um, but, for those vulnerabilities where you know someone knows about it and you know that and it's rather just launching it going right here it is everybody deal with it what what's the best tactic you know for for businesses and to to know about this because if they can fix this in advance then it it saves those headaches and it allows you more time to deal with something like blog4j Heartbleed, etc because those sort of things that come along with no expectation do require a lot of effort but those ones that are, could have actually been pre-prepared for that that really should be the responsibility upon researchers to actually say you know here, here's this thing that we're going to re- release to you deal with it now because then it'll make a comfortable ride for everybody
1: you touched on a in- couple of interesting words there Dan uh, react reactive versus responsive um, when you react you're caught on your heels you don't know what the heck's going to go on when you're responsive you've got a plan. Uh, as Nick said, you've got policies in place to, to catch these things when they come in and you've got policies that you're going to interact with other folks on. Um, but also uh, as a customer, as I mentioned earlier, when you procure, procure things, you've got to buy them from responsible vendors. You can't just buy stuff you know, off the street uh, from some guy's trench coat and put it into your enterprise and expect it to be secure. Um, so really that responsibility is on everyone. Um, one of the things you can do to be more responsive is to understand what's in your infrastructure in the first place. And that's a big thing that our tenable tools help with. And we're building new features in to do that, which is the enumeration of what's in your enterprise. And we're trying to get down to a level where we can do a software bill of materials as well ahead of time. So that when somebody says, hey, there's a vulnerability in Log4j, they can say, I know exactly where Log4j is in our infrastructure and what things mm-hmm. might be impacted. That's a huge part of what an InfoSec team has to do. Our InfoSec team did it um, when that came out internally tenable. Is that stuff baked into your tools? A yeah, or nay, are you affected by this? Um, being out ahead of it is a good way to be responsive. Um, when it comes back to disclosures or, or vendors that don't want to respond to responsible disclosure interactions, at least knowing that that those tools are in your infrastructure, that hardware and software is in your infrastructure, let you check it off the list and say, hey, look, uh, when the vulnerability is disclosed, whether it's responsibly um, or, you know, full disclosure, just fire from the hip, you can say, whoa, whoa, does this affect me or not? And uh, we help with that. Our tools help with that every day um, to be more responsive as opposed to reactive and scrambling to say, hey, what does this? (laughs) Answer that question for a CISO. Yeah, this does impact us, or no?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just in as we wrap up, it, it's yeah, these ninety days disclosures—they they've kind of fit, fitted an industry need, I suppose, for you know fixing things. Whether and you know on both sides, whether you know like you know Nick yourself, you know your research side, you know you, you're disclosing it. You need sort of they need time to to detect it, determine it, fix it, response, all those kind of things. And you know, maybe, and it just so happens that over the last However many years, uh, it feels like ten years to me, but it could be more than that. That the, the, this this has become an industry standard that's kind of been created by industry or forged by uh, sort of different responses. Do you sort of see that changing over time, Nick, in the future? Like we said, we talked about software and cloud services where things could be updated in a matter of hours, maybe even uh, you know days at the longest uh you know or versus you know separate responsible disclosure for say like scada systems where you know things are different or do you think this kind of one one size fits all is actually is fit for purpose still
2: uh i could see it maybe changing you know depending on the industries and like the, the type of software it is potentially i mean uh project zero occasionally tweaks their policy um we need to um like we have a we we have a shortened timeline if you report a vulnerability and, and you incorrectly patch it, because then people know about it and people are looking at the code. It's not just you anymore and they're going to quickly exploit that. So that's why the timeline is shortened. So yeah, there's definitely, you know, room for improvement in, and I, I can see, um, you know, disclosure policies evolving over time as as we, as we progress and, and more and more different types of technology are introduced.
0: Yeah well I think it's like you say it's it's been forged by industry and this could be evolved by industry as well so we'll, we'll see where it goes. But um, I think this, this is an interesting one to, to sort of cover now and I think it's you know it could change over time we will see but i think it's, it's i'm very happy to say tenable does adhere to these responsible disclosure policies and we do have our own and uh, hopefully uh, the industry as what as a wider entity is also following in that thread so um with that nick miles and ivan Belletta, thank you very much for joining us today and uh, for your thoughts well big thanks again to nick and ivan for their time and thoughts today um All the information on Tenable Research is available at tenable.com slash research. Um, We've also added a link to the blog, um, the white paper actually, and there was a blog as well, uh, about uh, disclosure that Zero Day did towards the end of last year. It's back in October, I think it came out. Uh, We can download that white paper for free from from tenable.com, and uh, that is available, as I say, in the show notes. Also, do visit tenable.com slash podcast for more of our podcasts, uh, including, I'll put a link into the show notes as well, a discussion that um, our staff research engineer Claire Tills did oh, two or three years ago with the Zero Day team about their work. So I'll add a link to that one specifically. Uh, if you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at Dan and and LinkedIn as well. Uh, otherwise, thanks very much for, for joining us today and we'll see you next time.